0: We're in week four of a series we've entitled Habits, Small Disciplines, Big Results. It's amazing how little bitty things are actually big things in disguise because they ramp up and there's a flywheel approach and there's itty-bitty things that actually become bigger and bigger and bigger as you put them uh, to work. I want to welcome you today uh, to this installment and here's what I want to do. I want to jump right in and I want to offer you... uh, kind of a a posture for the rest of this message. This message is going to be uh, crazy practical. It is. I think every service should be crazy practical. We talk about putting handlebars on the message. Uh, It doesn't so much matter whether we've talked about the dimensions of the temple or the Ark of the Covenant or giving you a Greek word for rope. It doesn't really matter much if it doesn't apply to your everyday life and Jesus said it like this, if you can hear the word and do something with it, it's like you are a wise contractor who builds a house on a solid foundation. But if you hear the word, you don't do anything with it, then, you know, you're like a foolish man who builds a house on all kinds of sand. And the rains came down and the floods come up and the house on the sand went splat, as we learned in good old VPS, VBS. And so here, here we are talking about how to hear the word and do something with it. And many times that has to do with us applying everyday knowledge, and everyday practice to the Word of God. The Apostle Paul invites the exact same thing. In Romans 12, in the message paraphrase, here's what he says. Here's what I want you to do, God helping you. And this is where we're gonna start our message today. Now, God helping you, you can't do this all on your own. You need to invite the spirit of wisdom to guide you on this. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life Okay, not your, just your Sunday life, not just your get up and go to church life, but it's your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, everyday life. I want you to take it and just scoop it up for a second. And metaphorically, I want you to take that life and put it in your hands. And Paul says, place it before God as an offering. And when you think of the ups and the downs and the turnarounds, when you think of the good, the bad, and the ugly, when you think of last week and next week, when you think of this morning, when you think of the highs and the lows and the roller coasters of life and you take all of that life and you place it before God as an offering and then you step back and you look at that offering, is that, is that offering what you want it to be? Good news is you don't have to get it all in shape, all worked out on your own. Otherwise, it would all be about you and your strength and your work and your power. But if you'll place before even the good, the bad, and the ugly, God can do something with that. But if you'll place it before him, that's the key. If you wanna hang on to it and hold it and hide it and put it in the pocket and hang on to it and keep it your way, He's not gonna force himself on you. He's, he, he's, he's not gonna, gonna grab you by the nap of the neck and force you to change. But if you will place it before him as an offering, it's amazing what God can do. His supernatural activity works in everyday life. It's supernatural activity of God and your strategic stewardship of that activity. Supernatural and strategic stewardship combined. We see that all throughout scripture. There is no virgin birth without a physical womb. There is no parting of the Red Sea without Moses stretching out a rod. There there is no feeding of the 5,000, a miracle without a to-go box from Red Lobster. There is this divine partnership between dirt and the divine. So we place it before God as an offering And we don't need to become so well-adjusted to your culture, the space wherein you live, the soil wherein you're planted. Culture is that space between us. It's that personality. It's something that you feel more than you teach. It's more caught than it is taught. And don't just fit into your family culture and your leadership culture and work culture and, and, and community culture and just cancel culture. All this stuff that you fit into it without even thinking It gives us a better idea. Instead, fix your attention on God, focus on God, put your hope in God, you'll be changed from the inside out. For a long time, I don't think it was purposeful, but inadvertently, we have tried to make Christianity as a behavioral modification. Stop doing that. Stop doing this. Make sure you do it that way and make sure when you do it, you're crying or you're yelling really loud. You're only gonna have fun if you're laughing at the devil. Only wear t- 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 clothes with my face on it in some catchy phrase. Heaven yes, hell no. <laughs> true story and true shirt, and my parents wouldn't let me own it. <laughs> That's too much. Don't just go every day without kinda looking. And allow God to change you from the inside out. Readily recognize. God invites us to the first day of the week, every Sunday, to not be the only day, but to be a great first start, the, the jump out of the gate, off the blocks, to readily recognize and have a pattern and habits for everyday life, recognizing what He wants from you and then quickly responding. That's what we're going to do in some of the most practical ways today. We're going to lean into our own leadership, into our own everyday life. Do you know that in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, they were placed in the garden that was paradise, and it wasn't just so they could enjoy an all-inclusive, you know, sandals retreat. They actually were designed to be in paradise and work. They were designed to work. Now, the word for work is abad, A-B-A-D, abad. Got to go to abad today. And the word abad is used 52 different times throughout the Bible, and it is simultaneously used, it is interchangeable between another word that's very popular in church culture, work, abad, but also the word abad is used throughout the Bible when referring to worship. Worship. So as we abide, we are giving honor to God. In other words, your work is an act of worship. The way you show up your everyday walking around life, it's an act of offering yourself. It's an act of worship unto God. And so what we're gonna do, just for the next few moments we have, is we're gonna dissect some practical ways That we can make the most of everyday life and make it an offering for the Lord so we can have biblically based habits that will propel us forward and gain momentum and be the kind of influencers and examples Christians were supposed to be. Do you know that most people deny Christ not because of Christ? It's because of people in everyday life and the way they abide, the way they worship. And the way they work doesn't intersect with who they thought Jesus was going to be. Because we say, God is love. Yeah, but that guy's a jerk. Anybody ever had that? No? Yes, you have. Don't even lie, you liar. And so listen, Dieball and Duncan, listen up, to. I, I want to put some handlebars on today because every day ought to be an act of worship, the way you work and the way you lead. The number one person you're supposed to lead that's probably the hardest for you to lead is not that spouse. You're like, "Mm, I don't know, they're hard to lead. Well, he ain't gonna lead me anyway. (laughs) I'm not talking about your spouse, I'm talking about you. The hardest person in the room for you to lead is you. It's a challenge, but the same way an archer has arrows and a bow, and the same way a chef has uh, the, the, the pots and the recipe, and the same way the coach has the game plan and the chalkboard and the whistle, you have self. It's an unbelievable gift that God's given to you to place before Him as an offering. And I'm inviting you to lead at a higher level today, to take a step and lift. The lid of your leadership. So let's jump in and let me ask you a question: At what temperature does water boil? Anybody have an idea, whether online or here at the broadcast location? What temperature does water boil? Anybody know? Two hundred twelve. Somebody said it with enthusiasm and with power and passion, and they are right. At sea level, at sea level, water boils at two twelve. Trick question. Because if you were to take a pot of water to Mount Everest and climb the peak, and at the peak of Mount Everest, that water would boil at 160 degrees. The altitude changes the formula, the altitude affects the formula. And so at sea level, it's great, 212, you can count on it. But the higher you go, the the climate and the atmosphere where that water is affects the intensity, how quickly it can get where it needs to go. The same is with leadership. You put yourself in an environment of sea sea level life. If you want to to rise to a higher level, things are going to have to go quicker. The climate is going to change. You're gonna have to adapt to certain climates, and you're also gonna have to push away from other climates because it changes things. It all depends on the altitude. Listen, I can run. I can run. I don't run fast, but I can run. I got a real awesome tortoise pace. I can run. But I can run those minute miles, not one, you know, 10-minute miles, nine minute if I really need to, I can run those miles and I can run for several miles, but you get me walking off an airplane in Denver and I can barely walk to the airport because of the altitude change. I can run, but I get to Denver, I'm like, (laughs) barely dragging my baggage off a baggage claim. Why? Because the atmosphere affects things. So if we're gonna lead at a higher altitude, we've got to adapt to that. We've got got to readily recognize the atmosphere God is calling us to and adapt to it. So here's some ways to adapt to a higher altitude. If you want to move forward in business, it's not not just a wing and a prayer, everybody. Um, Christians ought to be on time. Christians ought to be sharp. Christians ought to be strategic. Christians ought to be thinking. Thinking Pentecostals. Thinking Christians. Thinking Baptists, we got them all in here. We're an eclectic group. We, we ought to be thinkers. And if we want to rise to higher altitude, we got to think through some stuff. So, so let, me, let, me, let me ask you another question. How did we get where we are? How did you get where you are? Whether it's in marriage or in your sphere of influence, whether it is your job, whether it is uh, your attitude, whether it is... Uh, joining us at the Die Ball or Dunkin' Prison. How did you get where you are? Three ways. This is a repetitive cycle. We all go through this. It is a serial cycle in our life, and here they are. Observation, opinion, and opportunity. There's observations we make, opinions we form, and opportunities that we take. Over and over and over, you didn't even realize this morning you observed Opinionated, took the opportunity. You didn't know you were following this formula, but it's exactly what you did when you got up and you got around and you got dressed. 99% of you got dressed for church today. The other person, they're in the back room. Observation, opinion, opportunity. Um, I took about 30 seconds. I observed my clothes that were clean. I formed an opinion, took on the opportunity. My wife observed. and observed, (laughs) opinioned, opinion, opinion, opinion. What about this opinion? (laughs) Eight hours later, she took an opportunity. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. She didn't do that. It was seven, seven hours. So the person who hired you observed, formed an opinion, and gave you an opportunity. The job you got fired from, somebody observed, formed an opinion, and took the opportunity. You going on that date, you observed, you made an opinion, you took the opportunity, and then you made an opinion again, and either observed and opinionated and undid the opportunity over and over again. You got married because you observed, formed the opinion, and took the opportunity. Marriage ended because you observed, formed an opinion, and opportunity. People making a decision to cross the line of faith and follow Jesus, they observe, they form an opinion, they take an opportunity. You walk away from Christ, you have your own theories. You you, you heard a theory on Facebook, you watched this video, Uh, you took some time, you were wounded. You were wounded, you observed, formed an opinion and took an opportunity. You are hanging on to that wound. You observe it, you opinionate, and you take the opportunity to hang on to that bitterness. We are in a cycle of observation, opinion, and opportunity. And what we do with these things matter. What we do with them matters. And if you want to rise to a higher level of your own self-leadership, you've got to recognize those areas and then do something with it. Don't just hear me, do something. So here's what we can do. Number one, strengthen your observations. Strengthen your observations. Like, you know, read a room, dude. Maybe not time, maybe it's not time for that joke in the moment. I'm just looking in the mirror, speaking to myself, you know. Walking to that funeral the other day with a great joke. <laughs> that was that is a joke. I really didn't do that, but maybe I have done that. I don't know. Strengthen your observations we do this every day, whether we realize it or not. You you know, I may have mentioned this before, but you go to, you go to Brookshire Brothers or Walmart. You got a, you got a buggy or a cart full of groceries. You walk up to the checkout lines and you look out of the 24 checkout lines at Walmart, which two are actually open? (laughs) Number one. Number two, out of the two, out of the 24 is who's, uh, you observe which line is the shortest or which line is the fastest, right? And you observe and then you opinionate, but then you also, you don't just look at the line, you look at what's in their cart and you observe, so, well, that's going to take forever. Or, oh, that's way over 20 items. Somebody needs to tell them that is over 20 items. <laughs> you, 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 then you not only observe the cart and form an opinion and opportunity, but then, but then you look at the cashier you say, are they going to go fast? Are they going to go slow? Are they going to be chatty Kathy or get it done Gary? Who are they going to be? I'm always shocked at what comes out in the second service that didn't come in the first, but (laughs) you're you're welcome. (laughs) Strengthen your observations. So question, how are you observing? For some of you, this is natural. You you read a room. For others of you, uh, this is something that's gotta be an acquired skill where you just, you strengthen your ability to look and to think, to catch the body language um, to catch what's going on. Do you know that people do this? Let me give you a little bit of a housekeeping item. If if you love this church and this is your church home, maybe you're dipping your toe in the water, you're investing, you're trying to figure out if this is going to be your church home for you. You're doing this. You're pulling into the parking lot and you're observing. You're getting out and you're opinionating. Are these people like me? Are they going to like me? Am I going to like them? Am I going, you you can already have an observation and an opinion of what it should look like before you even walk through the door of Timber Creek. And then all of a sudden it doesn't look like what you had already opinionated. And that may even hinder your opportunity here because, because if it doesn't look the exact way that you thought it should look, you already formed an opinion too quickly to maybe give some space and some grace for something a little different. Strengthen your observations. How am I observing? Here's another one. What do people observe in you? Uh Uh-oh. What do people really observe in you? Can I tell you what they observe quicker than anything? Beyond your clothes, beyond beyond the the, the outer realms, can I just say that the biggest thing people observe in you quickly that enters the room usually before you do? Your attitude. Your attitude is usually about seven steps ahead of you. Before anybody ever says anything, your face communicates an attitude. Now I'm gonna show you, I'm gonna show you how to elevate the atmosphere of your home, of your workplace, of your cubicle, of your management skills, of this church. I'm gonna gonna invite you, how do you elevate? 17% right off the bat, and by the way, 42% of statistics are made up right on the fly. How do you elevate 17%? Here's how you do. Watch. Here's how you do. Your attitude. How you change your attitude? Watch. That's it? That's it. Like. I was talking to one of my good friends who's an engineer and architect, and I was sitting in their office, and the side of their their, their office is all glass. And they were telling me something and it was an important thing and we were having a great conversation and I was listening and we were, having a, we were, we were talking, we were dialoguing and I was listening and I caught a little bit of a peek of my face in the, in the reflection of the glass and I was excited to hear what they were saying, but here's my excited face. Sometimes, I had someone say a few years ago, and I've tried to get better at it, um, I was walking down the hallway from KidWorks in the broadcast location down to the lobby, and I was walking down the hallway, and somebody said, what's wrong with Pastor Jeremy? I was just observing stuff and opinionating and making an opportunity. I wouldn't tell him a face. My face was like focused, strategic thinking, not, hey, I'm not an evil person, you know. (laughs) I'm normal most of the time. Like, when you smile, it's amazing how people, how you can be, attra- it just makes you more attractive. I'm serious, and it's, it's free. It's free. You know how what you can say to your kids when you smile, how much it can change? Like, Graham, if I have to tell you again <laughs> to clean your room, <laughs> we're gonna see how many days you can go without an Xbox. Your attitude matters, and it's something so small, but can I tell you, there was a reason why children wanted to be around Jesus. It's not because the Jesus you serve walking around with a resting holy face. (laughs) He let the children come to him. He received them. They hopped on his knee something about Jesus is so attractive. Place that stuff in front of him as an offering. Look, a bad attitude is like bad breath. It is. A bad attitude is like bad breath. Everyone knows you have it except you. (laughs) And you're thinking, yeah, I wish my spouse was here to hear this. Take a spiritual mint today. And look, 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 you're entitled to have a bad day. You're entitled to have a bad day, it's okay. Everybody's gonna have a bad day, you don't feel like smiling. And there's another thing where the smile is so fake, people read through it in an instant. That's not what I'm talking about. But, but, but look, everyone can have a bad day, but, but, but don't have a bad life just because you allow that to be your attitude. I, t- I talk to our team and I say, look, part of your pay, I pay you to have a good attitude. You're paid to have a good, I can get a bad attitude anywhere for free, but you're paid to have a great attitude. Strengthen your observations. How am I observing? How are people observing me? Slow your opinions. Has anybody ever formed a bad or wrong opinion about you? Anybody ever formed a wrong opinion about you? (laughs) Yeah. Me too. Me too. And as much as I say to them, we've been married 21 years. How many of you have ever formed a good opinion, but then a little bit into the relationship, you were like, uh-oh, because you formed an opinion too fast. This is called American dating. We observe that everybody else is running in the culture this way. So we make the opinion that we got to be the exact same way. We got to live life a certain way. We form our opinions because we haven't slowed and strengthened our observations. I know, but it's just the way they make me feel. Your feelings are liars sometimes. Your feelings will lie to you. I don't know, but they just make me feel. Lie! It's a lie! I mean, people listen to the crickets, and I don't mean chirp, chirp. I mean Jiminy Cricket. And he's singing, always let your conscience be your guide. Disney got it wrong. Jimmy's a liar. <laughs> don't let your conscience be your guide. your guide. Your conscience will put you back into a relationship that's, that's toxic. Because the way you feel, slow down on the opinions can I tell you, the way that you begin to slow down on forming your opinions, changing opinions about something or someone, is a sign of maturity. The apostle Paul in Acts 15, he had formed an opinion about a guy named John Mark. And he had a buddy named Barnabas, and they were talking, and uh, Paul was saying, we're going to go here, we're going to go there, I want you to bring the squad, get them all together. And Barnabas was like, okay, I'm going to bring Silas, and I've got myself, I'm in, I'm also going to bring John Mark. And Paul says, I don't want John Mark. Barnabas is like, why do you want, not want John Mark? He's awesome. He's like, no, last time we went, he was all like, no, we wanna go here. And we're like, hey, we're all gonna go to Taco Bell. He's like, no, man, Taco Bell, I don't like Taco Bell. I wanna go to McDonald's. He was just hard to deal with, and he was like, always wishy-washy. And Barnabas is like, you don't know him like I know him. And I said, I know him. And Barnabas said, if John Mark ain't coming, I ain't coming. And Paul said, fine. And, John, and Barnabas said, fine. And sure enough, Paul and Silas went on their own, and Barnabas went the other way. Now they were able to... Reconcile relationship, isn't it good to know that even the author of more books in the New Testament than any other author inspired by God and lived a life full of faith had relational challenges? Then in the book of Timothy, Paul has formed more maturity, changed his opinion, and said, hey, bring John Mark. He is useful to me. See, sometimes you have formed an opinion about somebody and listen to me, your opinion is wrong your opinion's wrong, and you're, you are not speaking life over them. One of those persons is the person you see in the mirror every single day, and you have formed an opinion about yourself, and it is a lie from the enemy. And you need to re, rewire that opinion by slowing down and not listening to your voice, listening to the spirit who wants to say who you really are. Slow down on your opinions. And can I say that many times in our opinions we get defensive? We get so defensive, we live in a defensive Culture Back and forth on Facebook. It's so much easier to be critical and defensive now because we have, we have the shield called the screen. We got the shield called the phone and we can, we can say what we wanna say. We can drop the, the relational bombs left and right on Facebook. We don't even care. We would never, usually, never act like that in person. But all of a sudden, we take on this persona and we, we, we lose our loving minds. We start attacking people and then we come and raise our hands on Sunday, do you know that Jesus, one of the greatest offerings you could ever do is not engage in worship on a Sunday morning. He even says, if you've got an issue with a brother or a sister and you know about it and you're sitting getting your sacrifice on on Sunday and you remember that, better for you to step up, get out into the lobby, make a phone call, send a text message and make it right. That's the offering he's after more than I want to know you. He wants him, He wants you to know him in the way you take your everyday, ordinary life and place it before him as an offering. That's a lot better preaching than you're responding. I'm just gonna tell you, FYI. (laughs) So instead of defensiveness, how could you retool that? It's called curiosity. Take take a posture of curiosity over defensiveness. Instead of getting defensive every time somebody says, hey, here's something you want. Uh, Some of you, you're not gonna grow. Your, Your lid is in your defensiveness. And a manager says, I need you to change this or do this. Whether they're right or wrong makes no difference. Take on an element of curiosity over defensiveness. And I'm telling you, it's amazing how those doors can open. It's amazing what you can hear more when you're curious, not just defensive. Curiosity may have killed the cat, which is not a bad thing. But curiosity may have killed the cat. But I'm kidding. I love cats, other people's cats. It makes me a better leader. Curiosity makes me a better leader leader. So strengthen your observations, slow your opinions. Number three, shepherd your opportunities. You have an opportunity that's going to come your way every single day to say yes to, to say no to, to say maybe to. You have opportunities and you have to shepherd them. You have to guard them. You, You have to watch out for them. A good shepherd knows the flock And some of us are living like a shepherd with no fence and no boundaries and no understanding of all the sheep that are around us that we need to, we don't even know the number. We haven't even counted the number of our flock when it comes to our opportunities. And all of a sudden we get exhausted because we're not shepherding our opportunities well. Look, I can overeat, guilty. I can overspend, guilty. I can overachieve, guilty. I cannot overlive. The way you live is the way you live. You don't overlive. You don't catch up on life. So here's a formula. A formula for your life, who and what I say yes to And who and what I say no to really culminates in the life you've lived. And a lot of us are saying yes to good things, but they're not the great things. And some of you, you need to say no to the good so you can say yes to the great because you don't have the time anymore to say yes to the most important things. I wish I had more time. Well, you can wish all you want. You can wish it but it's about who and what I say no to and who and what I say yes to. That promotion looks good on paper, but sometimes it is, not, it is saying yes or no. It might be saying no to the promotion. It's gonna be the best decision you could ever make because you're gonna shepherd your opportunities not based on a number on a paycheck, but based on a whole understanding of how God wants me to offer my life to him. The truth is, in the areas that matter most, I cannot make up misspent time. Oh, I'm just making up for lost time. You don't don't really do that. Look, look, I can make up for time that I didn't spend cramming for the exam. Pulling an all-nighter, because man, I should have studied, should have studied, should have studied, should have studied, should have been diligent, should have been diligent, and now it comes the next day, and I'm cramming for the exam. The truth is, when it comes to your spouse, when it comes to your kids, when it comes to your life, you cannot pull an all-nighter for life. And this is what happens. We, instead of having those habits that are inch by inch, that everything's a cinch, we wanna go yard by yard. And it's, oh, all that, that big vacation will fix our marriage. And you cannot pull an all-nighter to fix the marriage. So what, is, what does Paul say? Place it before an offering. What does the author of Hebrews say? With all this in mind, what we do is we gotta throw off everything that's hindering us, even the sin Sometimes those opinions and opportunities are sin in your life. What makes them sin? Anything that takes the place of God's authority. Sin is not the act you commit. Oh, you sin because you did that thing. Sin is the authority I reject, okay? Sin is not eating the apple. Sin is saying God I'm not going to follow your plan because I'm gonna choose my plan over yours. When it comes to the apple, when it comes to life, when it comes to decisions, when it comes to your word being the final authority, when I say I'm gonna be the final authority, that's when we sin. And all of us do sin. And we fall short of the glory of God. So all that sin that can entangle us, and instead, you know what? Let's run. Let's run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. Nobody knows your life better than the author of it. Nobody knows how to run your time better than the author of your life. So let's run that race. Hey, what does running at a higher altitude look like? What does running at a higher altitude look like? Well, I put together this acrostic a couple of years ago for our staff, and I think it'll be helpful for you. This is, again, do uh, you remember the story about David fighting the, the Philistine Goliath? And right before he goes out with his sling and five stones, uh, Saul, who's intimidated and insecure, wants, wants it to look like he's out there. So Saul invites David to put on his own armor. And, and David, instead of, he tries it on, but he's walking around, you know, he's, he's, he's clunky. He says, I can't do this. He takes off Saul's armor, and he's just he he is who God's called him to be. Now, some of these things may be Saul's armor to you. Just because these are things that work for our team or work for me doesn't mean they will work for you, but this is just an example that you can observe, and you can opinionate, and then you can choose what opportunity you want to take. But here's what we talk about when it talks about running your race. It's an acrostic, and here's the first one. Run the right written rituals. For our team, there's some morning and evening rituals work startup and work shutdown rituals, Sunday morning rituals, Wednesday night activity rituals, group rituals. And we gotta run the written ritual. Every single one of you are already running a ritual, it's just most of them are not ever written down. So you ran a ritual, and the ritual was for some of you, the ritual was snooze, 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 hurry, hurry, hurry. Frustrated, 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 get your butt in the car, we're going to be late. That's your ritual. It's not written, but it's your ritual. Or, long day at work, can't wait to get home, prop my feet up, binge watch Netflix, and I don't mean watch, I mean binge watch scrolling through Netflix to, watch, to find something to watch and then never finding anything. And you wake up at three in the morning, and it's just scrolling through images. Am I not speaking the truth to somebody? <laughs> Oh, he's living in, my, living in my house with me. No, I'm just peeking through the window. <laughs> <laughs> run the right written ritual. Like, be strategic. 40% of your life's on autopilot, so why not make the autopilot work right? So, so here's, here's a morning ritual that I follow. You don't have to follow it. Let me run through it real quick. When I get up, here are the first three things I do. I drink water, I dress out, and I have declarations. Drink water right there, a glass with with little ribs on it right there by my uh, faucet in the bathroom. Fill it up, I drink it, I dress out for workout, and I declare. Now my declarations um, are not things that I've just, you know, like cheerleading me. They're things that God says about me that I have to remind myself of because I'm just like you. I love to remind myself of the stuff I'm not more than who he says I am. I love to run the ritual of I'm not good enough, I'm not gonna make a difference, am am I going to be enough, I run that ritual in my head, and I gotta turn that one off and replace it with the truth. You know what's amazing about truth? It'll set you free, it'll set you free. Pause, Super Bowl Sunday, I'm starting a new series that I'm calling truth over trending. Many people are running their lives and shifting major components of their lives because of stuff that's trending today that isn't anywhere close to the truth. And as Christ followers, we need to know the truth, not so it's a brick over your head. The truth doesn't restrict you. The truth sets you free. We're gonna cover some tough, uncomfortable topics that are trending from sexuality and identity to human suffering. God's so good, why do people suffer? We're gonna talk about, is the word of God really trustworthy? Can I trust the Bible? Isn't it kind of just like, if men wrote it, can we really, really trust it? How can it really be God's word? God and science, and science is saying this, and God's word says this, and it's going to get spicy, baby. It's going to be good. It's going to be fun. The truth is going to set you free. It's going to set you free. All right, back in. Drink water, dress out. My declarations are a minute and a half long, and I'll set my phone on the counter right there in, in, the, uh, right there in, the, in the closet. This is what my declarations sound like. Because of who Jesus is, I am alive. I am a child of the king of all kings. I am loved. I am free. I am growing in Christ-like convictions, character, and conduct. I am content in Christ and Christ alone. I'm determined to love God and his people with everything I have. I'm strengthened by God who upholds me, he protects me, and he defends me. I will not be easily offended. I will not hold on to bitterness. I will hold myself to God's standards. I will measure myself with grace. I am not defined by my failures. I am not defined by my successes. I am defined as a child of God. I do not worry about things. I pray about things. I refuse to waste my life on meaningless things. I will not compare myself to others. I fight for my own purity, guarding my eyes and heart from tempting situations. I am joyful and gentle. I am peaceful and patient. I am self-controlled and kind. I am more than a conqueror. I am a high-intensity leader. I am the church. I exist for the world. I will act justly. I will love mercy. I will walk humbly with my God. And the joy of the Lord today is my strength. And today, Jesus, I place my life into your hands. Now, am I all those things? I am those things because Jesus says I'm those things. But if you're married to me, you know that you want to make sure that every time I update this iPhone, that that voice recording gets on the next one because I'm like a sheep, astray, And I'm not always joyful and gentle. And I do worry instead of pray about stuff, and so do you. But the more I allow those things to pour over me, the more I declare those things, it's a really important ritual in my life. Then I get active, I go and get active, and then my next is time alone with God. I call it talk time. Once I'm done getting active with the exercise routine or running or going to the to, to, to Fit Life or whatever, shout out to Fit Life. And I all two people still there. You know, right? No, I'm kidding. It's actually growing. Time alone with God. And then I enter the day with Thanksgiving. Like I, I, I want to give thanks. I want to wake up my kids with Thanksgiving. I want to talk to my wife with Thanksgiving. When I do this, I'm a lot better husband. I'm a lot better man. And so you got to think about your own routine. By the way, it's a date. <laughs> You're welcome, America. I love a acrostics. I do. I don't know why. <laughs> Run the right written ritual. You're already running one. Why not be intentional? Run your race. A, ask the right questions. Questions have so much power. Everybody's looking for answers, but they're not asking the right questions. Ask better questions. You get better answers. You become a better leader. I could unpack that more. That'll be for a different day. My C in running the race, connect with the right people. I gotta make sure that who I'm connecting with, that I'm, it's the right people in the right order. Many times, I can let people set my agenda for me versus making sure that I set my own agenda. Many times, people, you know, who you connect with people, you connect with the wrong people. It's called scrolling Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat. And all of a sudden, you're connected with all kinds of people and all kinds of information It doesn't even matter for your day, and you haven't even said the right things to the right people that matter most. Connect with the right people. Who do I need to reach out? Who do I need to add value to today? Who am I waiting on? Who's waiting on me? Who can I be praying for? Who's most important? How am I spending that time with them? And then E, Execute the essentials. So our team runs the right rituals, asks the right questions, connect with the right people, execute their essentials. And again, I don't want to put Saul's armor on you. I'm just giving you examples that maybe will stir your prayer of what Jesus might want to say to you on your rituals and your questions and your people. But I've got my own essentials as a leader and as a pastor, but it's also as, as the head of my home Hey, by the way, can I tell you about this whole, you know, um, uh, men love your wives and wives submit to your husbands. Can I tell you the percentage of that? It's 5149. It's 51:49. Men, you lead the house. 51 percent. women, you got 49 percent. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh-uh. Let me just say this: Men, if you will love your wives like Christ loved the church, here's how Christ loved loved the church. He was ripped apart. For the church, you stand up and you lead your wife. Oh, submit, husband. It's the only scripture you've ever learned in your 42 years. You don't even get it. You're the one that's gotta lead the way in loving like Christ loves. And I wanna tell you, you love people like that, people will gladly yield to that. A spouse would gladly yield to someone who's willing to be torn up for them. Love them like crazy. Go to the mat for them. Defend them. Provide. Pray. That's how Jesus loved the church. And that whole 51, 49, he makes us in his image. We have leadership. You know how often I have to pull out that 1%? Just that one, you know, the 49, 51? Like once in a Blue moon. You know why? Because as I love her and she submits and we walk together hand in hand, we have mutual submission, we yield to one another, and we love and we listen. It's amazing how I really have very ever rarely said, this is the way it's got to be. And most of the time, it's only because of like, oh, fear or whatever. We all have to make a decision and we don't know what to make and somebody's got to make the decision. Side note, I'm giving you 14 sermons in all in one. Let me tell you this. You know what deciding is? Here's what deciding is pesticide is, it kills off pests. Insecticide kills off insects. Here's what deciding does it kills off your options. And some of you, spiritually, you're wanting to keep your options open. <laughs> and so you got one foot into all this and one foot into the other. And Jesus says, choose who you're going to serve. Decide, kill your options. Some of you, you're wrestling, oh, I don't want to know. I want to keep my options open. Then it's going to be hard to walk in faith until you kill the options and say, this is the way we're going to go. You got to decide. You got to decide. So here's some of my essentials. My key essentials is your pastor. And before I even show this to you, some of you have observed a pastor. You formed opinions of a pastor. And that, that, that creates your opportunity of what a pastor should make. All oh, the essentials. Good. I'm gonna see what he's all about now. I may disappoint you. That's okay. Changing your opinion is a sign of maturity. <laughs> <laughs> create and keep clarity. People can't see what God is doing; they stumble all over themselves. But if they attend to what He reveals, Proverbs 29:18 says, "They are most blessed." And it's the job as the key leader of your home. It's the job of key leader of self for you to create and keep clarity. This is what we're about as a family. And I know we can be busy about a lot of things, and we've missed some things here, we missed some things there. But if we're going to be about anything, it's going to be Jesus. is going to be the center of this home. Create keep clarity. I got to curate culture at Timber Creek. Culture is that space. It's what you feel when you walk into the room. Listen, listen. Um, you got fast food. You 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 you've got. Uh, I'll just use two examples: Popeye's chicken and Chick Fil A. Both have great chicken. I love them both. Both have great chicken. Um, Both have a different culture in the way you may experience their restaurant in the drive-thru. Right, wrong, or indifferent. You feel something different. Now, for me, one is from Atlanta. The other one's from Louisiana. One is from heaven. And the other one is from Louisiana. (laughs) And... (laughs) and curating the culture of your home, how things feel when you walk through the room. You know one thing you could do right now to change the culture of your home? Turn on some worship music. Hey Siri, play Elevation Worship. Now some of you have right now, you're gonna start playing Elevation on your phone. Like like, like just change the atmosphere. The truth is you keep what you celebrate. That's how you form culture. You reproduce what you reiterate. How many times do I gotta tell you? Well, apparently some more times. You gotta reiterate. What you expect. Hey, guess what else? You deserve what you tolerate. You tolerate, tolerate, tolerate. I'm going to count to three. 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 I'm going to count to five. I'm going to count to five. I'm going to count to 47. I'm going to count to 47. You deserve what you tolerate. It's all about curating culture in your home and in your family and in your leadership. I want to cast compelling vision, not just for a church. I want to cast compelling vision for our family and for our children, our vision for our kids you are gonna leave this house someday and you are going to be a great decider. That to me is the ultimate goal of our parenting, to help our kids leave the house becoming a great decider. Furthermore, that every great decision would be grounded as the word of, with the word of God as their moral compass. Great decider using the word of God as their moral compass for every decision They make. If I can get them to be great deciders, using the word of God as the moral compass for every decision they make, I don't gotta sweat so much who Sage is dating or not dating. I'm still gonna sweat (laughs) because I got observations, opinions, and opportunities. (laughs) Cast compelling vision. You know, our vision at the church, we wanna create community destinations where anyone can find and follow Jesus. It was only 2019, Nacogdoches, that we launched the Nacogdoches campus because we wanted to create a community destination right there where anyone can find and follow Jesus. And we're just getting started. As a matter of fact, at the end of March, we're gonna be rolling out what the next five years are gonna look like as we create community destinations where anyone can find and follow Jesus. If you're looking for a church that's gonna hedge its bets, gonna play it safe, gonna step back and be us four, no more us three, it'll be us two, it'll do us one, let's just have some fun you're in the wrong church. We're gonna move forward and I believe the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's not just for our vision, it's for your vision. Hey, I'm gonna have Christ-centered preaching and and preachers. That's not just for preachers, that's for you. You're communicating the way you communicate. Let it be Christ-centered, not my emotions-centered, not this person-centered, not not Republican or Democrat-centered. Let it be Christ-centered centered communication. And I want to develop other people that have Christ-centered communication in their life. The apostle Paul said it like this. Remember, friends, when I first came to you, I didn't try and impress you with polished speeches and the latest philosophy. That's not what we're trying to do here at Timber Creek. Instead, I deliberately kept it plain and simple. I want some meat to my message. There's all this, you know, running your race thing. That's okay. But I want to go verse by verse, verse by verse, okay? Go verse by verse. That's fine. We go verse by verse every once in a while too. But my main responsibility as your leader is to get Jesus and who he is and Jesus and what he did because if you can get that, then you can understand verse by verse. How many people memorizing the Bible, including the devil, that aren't actually surrendering their life to who he is and what he did first? You're welcome. I gotta cultivate influencers. You have influence And if we're gonna accomplish what God's called us to do, it's not the pastor doing the work, it's equipping the saints to do the work, and you're an influencer. And you need to look at your sphere of influence as an opportunity for you to curate culture and you to create clarity and you to cast compelling vision and you to be Christ-centered. This whole thing, I don't even got time today. So forget it. Maybe do it next week, I don't even know. but I will tell you the last thing on my list. As your pastor, these are the things that I feel are most important for me in this season. Notice it doesn't say perform every wedding, perform every funeral, do the counseling. In a church this size, I, I wish I could, but I couldn't do these other things if, if that was on my list. So we have a team. And it's not just the pastoral staff. It's, it's our dream teams. I grew up in a church home. A pastor's home, and it took him a while to learn this. We were up there Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. We were we were the children's pastors, the janitors, we were the counselors, we were the funeral people, we were the wedding people. By the way, I have a one hundred percent success rate on every funeral I've ever performed. <laughs> Weddings, not so much, but funerals, nailing them, nailing them on the head. Sorry, it's terrible. Here's the last on my list. Cody is gonna come and play me off like it's the Academy Awards. Go ahead. Here it is. I'm gonna close every service with an invitation. What good does it do to have people picking it up in the parking lot with some music playing and smiles on their face? And befriending people. And if the day you bring a friend, I don't give them an opportunity to be introduced to the greatest person who lives. Every Sunday is not designed just to give us some practical handlebars, it's to invite us into a deeper relationship or into starting a relationship with Jesus. It's the invitation. And I, I've been a part of a church before, as staff. I, I attended church before where I'd bring a friend and there was never an invitation. And that time was gone. And I'd never get it back. I want you to know that every single week we're driving up to this moment right here where we invite you to not just be hearers of the word, but doers. To place your everyday, ordinary life in front of Him as an offering. I'm your tour guide. Yes, I'm your pastor but I feel a responsibility to just simply guide you to the great shepherd. He will lead you way better than I could ever. And do you see that this moment right now for some of you is the moment you don't even realize, but it's the moment you've been waiting for because you've been spinning wheels and spinning plates. You've been running your race, but you've been running ragged you've been doing it on your strength. And see what Jesus does when you place your life before him as an offering? He takes it, and he makes it. And he gives strength where you're weak, and he gives clarity where you're fuzzy, and he gives hope where you're worried and peace that passes understanding. That's what he does. And every single one of you, is why we're here. We're here to not only strengthen that, but also see others find it. So at all our locations, from the cafeteria in Duncan to the Northview Plaza at Nacogdoches to right here at Lufkin, would you just close your eyes with me? And there's two invitations today as there is every Sunday. The first is critical. And you are here. Maybe you were invited or maybe you decided to just kick the tires. But this is a divine appointment. It's time for you to do business with God. You are not living the life God meant for you to live. And it's not about getting a promotion. It's actually about losing something. It's actually about losing self as your driver and inviting Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life. It's about stepping back and letting go instead of stepping forward and hanging on and allowing Jesus to become the king of your heart, to sit on the throne of your life. And in broadcast location and all across, those watching online, it's time. It's time to surrender your heart to Jesus. And it's not just about saying this prayer. It's really about choosing to believe he is who he says he is and taking the next step. So in your own words, you'd say, Jesus, I need to surrender to you. I've been the king of my own life. I need to surrender. I give you my heart today. Thank you for not being mad at me, but for loving me so much that you would give me this moment to make things right with you. I can't fix my sin, the stuff that separates me, but you can, and I ask you to do that today. Thank you, Jesus. Second invitation is for those of you that you want to present the offering that Jesus deserves. You want to scoop up that life and the observations and the opinions and the opportunities and the... The the, the rituals and the focus and the essentials, all that, it's just, oh, you know, you know, it's not exactly where it needs to be. And you're inviting the strength of the Holy Spirit to help guide you to become stronger in him from the inside out. If that's you, would you just put a hand up? I wanna pray over you. Yeah, me too. Me too, everybody. Father, in your precious name, I thank you that you are guiding us even now, stirring us even now, May we spend time out of this moment and carve out a little bit of time, a couple minutes a day, to just slow down and say, okay, God, what's next? I pray that they would declare the truth of your word over their life every day. And then it would be a lamp unto their feet and a light unto their path as they scoop up that everyday life, and place it before you. And you receive it and you're so happy with it because we're putting you first. We ask it in the name of Jesus, the strong Son of God. Everybody said a strong amen.